This is multi-platinum producer Nick Fury, and it's cool with the free game producer podcast. We do it this day. I'm a bad. What are we doing right now? We're giving away game on the internet. That's know? right. That's right, man. <laughs> Yo, it's good. It's your boy Fuse from Anyway Mafia holding it down with the free game podcast. Hey, I'm Scott, president and CEO of Nitro Records, and you're listening to the Free Game Podcast. What up, everybody? This is episode 95 of the Free Game Producer Podcast. My name is Brian Andre, and in the studio, I got the super producer, the multi-platinum producer, the big homie Will Power in the building. What up, homeboy? What it do, man? What it do? <clears throat> I'm blessed to be here, and to the left of me, I got the best podcast show producer on the planet straight out of columbus ohio yeah the dope producer london elixir how you doing london what's going on yeah yeah it's a a blessing to be here we're here at the gray matter collective studios yeah it's a lot going on here so we like in the beginning we like in the front office studio the beginning studio all right right? yeah 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 we made it back to the front office yeah essentially the place is booked which is a blessing Blessing. So yeah. our uh, normal podcast studio is not available to us, but we will not be complaining about it. Not at all. We will be celebrating. And Busy is good, y'all. Truth is, we can do this podcast wherever we want. Yeah. Because we fly like that. Yep. And if you want to book some time at the Gray Matter Collective Studio, you go to graymattercollective.com, right? Yes. Go to graymattercollective.com. Uh, I think there's a tab on there called Studios. There you go. Uh, we got a songwriter suite. We also have a... Uh, actual recording studio. So mm-hmm. the songwriting suite is designed to write songs mm-hmm. and get ideas down. So you can cut vocals in it, but the difference between the two rooms is um, it doesn't have a booth. Mm-hmm. But it's still designed to do things like be creative and write and come up with shit. So a lot of mm-hmm. times producers come and book the room, bring a writer in, which is why we call it the songwriter suite. Mm-hmm. And then we have the dealer room. Yes, sir. Which is a super dope room that's been dedicated to the late, great Jay Dilla. Detroit. Detroit producer that was just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Uh, We named it after him because we have a huge portrait of him in in the room, and and it just got a really good spirit on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that room is equipped with a gang of, like, vintage equipment. Um Great mic vocal chain in there, you know what I'm saying? It's Pro Tools equipped, everything is it's ready. It's good for production and recording. It also has a booth and it's acoustically designed to just be that shit nine time out. So you can come in there and mix if you want to. There you go. Or you can just come in there and mix mix it up. How about there that? There you shit? go. You know what I'm saying? Good but vibes, yeah. man. So yeah, the rooms are renting, man. And um, you know, man, we've been really private around here lately, but mm-hmm. It's time to go ahead and kick it in, man, and start sharing some of this good yeah. energy with people, man. Yeah, I'm, you know I'm, I'm with that, man. I'm with that. Now, um, <clears throat> we just had here in Atlanta, Georgia, the A3C um, Music Conference and Festival. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm proud to say that, that you all at Grey Matter, well, we all at Grey Matter had some dope shit happen, man. I saw Sky perform at um, the Art Gallery, I believe. Yeah, man. Uh, um, in, at the Underground. First off, I just... You know, I'm. I just want to say I'm super proud of the fact that, like, you know, our collective is a really supportive group of people, man. Like, we have close to twenty something people in the collective mm-hmm. now, and it's dope. You know, and everybody just kind of has their own thing. Everybody's mm-hmm. not necessarily one thing or the other. You know, mm-hmm. we all kind of like hybrid folk. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But the truth is. The collective has a really dope understanding of what it means to support each other and just trying to be be great out here. Um, so what ended up happening was this was the first year in shit eight years that we've officially um, participated in A3C. Okay. Um, back in 2010, 
Yeah, back in two. No, I'm sorry, I'm tripping. Back in 2012, mm-hmm. we had a stage. Had bro. the main stage. Yeah, that was the year we brought um, Tech Nine and Yellow Wolf and a whole bunch of other people out. Crazy. It was essentially my. The reason I said ten because at that time it was Super Hot Beats ten year anniversary as okay. a company. Nice. So yeah, so in 2012 we did it, but so since 2012 we haven't been there. So it's been about six years since we officially officially participated, and it was just refreshing to go back out there and actually be a part of it. Because um, I don't know if you guys are keep up on our IG or whatever, but we did a writer's camp there at the mm-hmm. Creator Complex, which is, um, I believe that whole thing is put on by iStandard mm-hmm. or whatever. But we yep. ended up in there because of our affiliation with iStandard. And what was really dope about it was we ended up getting uh, the recording studios that were there at Georgia State. And for the entire day, all we did was write music so i went in basically with like a list of like 50 beats from all of the producers on our collective nice um everybody had a chance to just play beats for people i would go through a list and just play everything you know what i'm saying but the writers would go and then they just start jotting down which ones they liked and so we wrote down every beat and then we picked out i think that day we had like seven or eight producers in the building okay so we just made it to where at least your song got written to. You, okay. you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so we killed it, man. And we ended up getting like seven songs in like five or six hours. Nice. Which is like phenomenal as far as like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when I tell you like not shit, like dope records. You know nice. what I'm saying? Nice. Um, so I was excited about that. And then um, it was just really fun to go out and have everybody involved with Sky's debut performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Chris L, which mm-hmm. is our new artist, he yep. his debut performance. Um, I say debut for Sky because she did go last, last year. year. Yeah, I thought she did. Yeah, but um, truth is, last year we just didn't. It just wasn't what we wanted it to be, yeah. and she grew exponentially. Eons, yeah, yeah, Crazy. as an artist. And what I was impressed. I didn't even know she had dancers. Like I didn't, I I didn't see any kind of practice or nothing. So I was there just fresh. Like a fan almost Just here just to see What's popping Yeah And I'm like whoa I'm like okay I mean I like the Whoever put the show together I'm just gonna give y'all props Because The slow Acoustic Yeah I equate that to a rapper Doing acapella effort. Absolutely You know Cause I, I'm big on that I tell every rapper Do acapella When you first come on Just to let them know that you're serious, that you dope. Right, right. Then they had the the, the new one, the mid tempo song. That's right. Then a turn up at the end. That was, that was pretty dope, yeah. man. Well, just experience um, over the years taught me that, like, when you do shows like festivals and you show up to venues that you don't have control over the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart. You know, we like to be prepared. So, and and sometimes we end up having to leave like lead vocals and stuff in the track just so. You don't lose TV track, like TV track, and and that's so dope because most yeah. rappers are, don't do that these days. Yeah, and it's like it's not because I don't think she could have done it without it. It's because it's important. She's moving, she's dancing, like, yeah, she's exactly. moving around. So she that ain't was no Britney Spears on them. No, nah, not at all. And so that was my reason for doing the acapella in the beginning because, like you said, okay, so let these niggas we're gonna, know. We yeah. getting ready to have a show where you're probably gonna know that she's kind of, you know, performing along with the TV track. But we're gonna let you know up front she got it. She can do yeah. this. She can sing. She so we stripped it all the way down. 
She did a set with just an acoustic guitar. Yeah. It was fly, man. She killed it, man. Yeah. She killed it. And then um then there was Chris. Chris L, yeah. I I I was I got I was late to I was gonna go to that one. Man. Boy, look. But before it was I so good. before I knew it, Talk of the it town. was over. Before I knew it, it was like, oh shit, it's like six, six thirty. Talk of the before. town. He didn't even go at that time. He ended up going later. He ended up going like he ended up, yeah. Like eight, I yeah. feel like. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he 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 ended up, yeah. So yeah. By the time you showed up, it was just in it. Because he the way he performed. Oh, Talk of the town. That's yeah. dope, man. I'm happy to see that because I've, I've been waiting for you to really lock in with that rapper again. Yeah. You know, to find the MC. And I heard it sit. He's nice, so well, that's pretty dope. Yeah, man. He came out, man. He he just had a, a certain hunger about him, and we were just super proud to have that go on. Nice. Um, and then outside of that, man, that that was pretty much you know the highlight for us. Um, of course, here at the podcast, man, we had some amazing guests come through yeah. and rock with us, which, yep. you know... One is coming on today. Yeah, it's coming on today, which, you know, we'll introduce that in a second. But truth is, you know, uh, those were, like, really high, um, you know, um, high things for me, high moments for me, you know, as far as A3C was concerned. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at it as, you know, as a collective, like, we really did a great job at taking advantage of the opportunities that the A3C provided for not only the people who paid tickets, but also those involved. It's like a great trade-off. It's like, yeah, we got to see a whole bunch of rappers in town and, and meet people and get, you know, some things going on. But at the same time, we also learned a lot and got to connect in that sense. To also, you know, create some engagement. So right, that's dope. Now, London, I saw you attended. You were at Patchwork Studios, I believe, oh, or, yeah, or yeah. some other studio. Patchwork Studios had a Native Instruments event um, last week. It was on Thursday, so I went through to that. It was super dope. My guess, a few other people from Gray Matter were up there too, and they had like the, all the equipment out, so you can make beats on the spot and just right. network with people. And they did this really um, dope jam session with uh, it was Major Seven, Black Metaphor, and. Um, I'm forgetting his name, but Sammy, Sammy okay. on the keys. He was really, really dope. Okay. And then like they were just kind of passing a mic around to the room because you know it's just a room full of creators. So right. it was it was just dope hearing everybody like seeing one of the girls, Jessica. She comes to the Beast and Bible Study one time. She really killed like hooks on some of these songs. So nah, nice. it was it was just like good energy, great vibes. They did a um, nice. interview with Brian Michael Cox. So it was, okay, it was pretty too, dope. Yeah, 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 it was dope. And then then I see Black Metaphor jumped and he was here. What you were yeah? The night. Oh yeah, I did yeah. See that. I mean, it's part of what happened. So. Even inside of all of that, as we got to relaxing and chilling and making things happen back at the studio after our show date, the very next date, I had the, um, bro, I'm just blessed, man. You know, I was blessed to have Diamond D, Large Professor. D-I-T-C. Oh, shit. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breakbeat Lou. Okay. All of them pulled up to my studio. Here? Man, here, bro. <laughs> They were they here. Were here. They, they were, were here. How come nobody dog? told? I would. I wanted yo, to go. Yo, well, Angie was Diamond D. A- Angie was screaming on me because we didn't. Pro? Yo, bro, craziest shit ever, dog. They were here. I'm talking about Illmatic. I'm yeah, about, shout yeah. out to my main man, source. my man P Watts, who they were working with P Watts on. Large um, Professor was in, I, and this is breaking news. I didn't even know this shit. Yeah, the the I, Large Professor Diamond D was yes. in the building. Yo, they pulled up, and then the same night, um, uh. Black came through. Black metaphor. That's my guy. Up. Black metaphor. We cut some records. We did some uh, some collabs on some shit. Uh, so yeah, man. Yo, nice. Great week. Great, great week, week around here, yo. It was just amazing. And so, and now we're capping it off with 
a really dope podcast and a really dope guest. Yeah. What happened this week though in music, man? Because you know, well, first of all, off the presses, I want to just get into this today. Today, we recording this on October the 11th, Thursday. This will come out on, on Monday. But today, uh, Donald Trump signed the Music Modernization Act. And let me just say this, too. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not giving him props for, like, creating it, you know, because it, it, had, it was a law that was passed by the lawmakers and the legislators. However, the president can veto it. He don't have to sign it into law. So he signed it into law today. So uh, shout out to everybody involved with that. I know Busby. Our guest for episode 89 was really, really big on that. Will, yes. mm-hmm. you insisted he come on the show. So if you, because I know some people, I posted about it, had some people comment, like, I don't even know what it was. Well, go to episode 89, right. listen to Busby, he breaks it down. You know, it's really, really a big deal, though. And I don't want to get into it, because we talked about it a couple times, but that actually is an official law right. today. Right, right. So shout out to everybody involved for getting that passed. A lot of new music. Dropped last weekend um, The biggest hip hop album That dropped uh, Was from Lil Baby and Gunna Drip Harder That's projected to sell 125,000 copies In the first week Which is huge And that is mostly streams I think they only sold Like five to 7,000 Physical copies So it just shows you More evidence That the young younger generation Is streaming And they're streaming heavily Shout out to those producers on there um, Turbo Taz Taylor Quay Global B-Rax Wheezy Rami on the beat, Playmakers, Frank Dukes is on there, and Tay Keith is on there as well, among others. Um, T.I. dropped his album, Dime Trap, which I liked a lot. I don't know what the sales numbers are going to be. I think it's going to be pretty low because it's not even recorded, but Correct. it was a good album to me, man. Scott Storch is on there, Just Blaze is on there, My Guy Mars is on there. Um, his son uh, produced a song on there. Um, Phase 4, I believe, is his, his, his producer name. Dope. Pretty dope album. Um, Sheck West. Uh, drop Mud Boy, um, and I think that's Travis Scott artist. That's gonna sell thirty thousand week one, which is pretty good. Uh, producers on there is Digital Nas, Retta, and uh, I gotta get him on the show. Young Lunchbox. I, w- I just want to know who this guy is. Young Lunchbox. Yeah, that's an interesting name for a producer. Young Lunchbox. Yeah. So <laughs> he produced the album. And shout out to Shake West. You know, thirty uh, k is not bad for a debut album. Well, I'm gonna say this. I don't care what his album sold. When that song come on in the club, bro, that yeah. and the motherfucking club, that joint, bro, that's yeah. that's today's. Uh, what's that joint? Shout out to uh, Take a Day Trip. That's his yeah. producer name. There's some interesting producer names for these young kids. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm going to say this, though. Like, bro, when we were in that venue with Sky the other night and that record came on, I'm telling you, I thought the the floor was going to cave in. It was 400 kids in there, dog, jumping around like they lost their mind. So I was like, all right. So, yeah. So shout out to Sheck West, man. I'm actually. Shout out to the producers. Take a day trip and 16-year-old. That's his name. That's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's gonna change it when he turns seventeen. I thought you was about to say that. He I want to look. That's his name. I want to. It's his name is Jerry Cruz. He goes by the name of Sixteen Year Old. He's an Ohio-based producer and okay. rapper. Genius man. Genius.com got the information for you. There it is. Ohio, Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. That's, yeah, why, yeah, said, that's okay. why I said okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And take a day trip in the motherfucking club. <laughs>
Yeah, so, you know, shout out to those producers, Ballin man. <laughs> like a motherfucking pro. <laughs> that shit's so yeah. jamming, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, shout out to Mozzie Gangland Drop. Pretty good album. Uh, producers on there. Sorry, Janari, June, JP Bangs, Daniel Cruz, Casey Kalile, uh, Relly Made, Davo, and others. Shout out to Ghostface Killer with the Lost Tapes. That was produced solely by Big Ghost LTD. Produced the whole album. And then my favorite of the week was Dave Easton Styles P Beloved. Came out on Def Jam. Shout out to Scram Jones, Vinny Ido, Cash. Shout out to a friend of the show, guest on the show, Motif Alumni. Young kid. He got a lot of placements since we had him. He's on there. Chasing Cash is on there. <clears throat> Mr. Authentic and AAA is on there, among others. So shout out to those projects, man. Those projects um, are all streaming. You know, hip hop is alive and well, man. A lot of good music, you know what I'm saying, uh, came out this year. Falling <laughs> in the motherfucking club. Real quick, before we get into our guest, we got a super, super dope guest. Um, he's the president and publisher of Fader Magazine. Yes. You know Andy yes. Cohen. And it was a blessing having him here, man. Just man. a really cool guy. To be that important to the culture yeah. and to be as humble as he was. Super yeah. humble. Super mm-hmm. humble. Yeah, and you know, he gave us some tidbits, man, some behind-the-scenes behind the scenes, things yeah. that like, were really dope about Fader Magazine and like... Yeah. Uh, you know, just really relaxed and was like super freely speaking to us about it, man. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was really dope. Um, you know, I value my relationship with Andy. He's a really good dude and he's always looked out, you know, from a creative standpoint, even when it came to critiquing something and being honest about it. You know, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And that's what I like about Fader Magazine. They're um, cutting edge and they continue to kind of lead the pack as far as like they're the they're they're what the streets you know are and they're you know it continues to you know with the covers and the people that they put on them these are people that most people haven't heard of yet and it never fails you know they always you know foresee it Mm -hmm. and i just think that's really dope so before we uh, get into that, we just wanted to mention our new Patreon page. Hey, so yes. make sure you guys go over to www.patreon.com slash free game and check out what we have going over going on over there. It's super cool. We have yep. like some different tiers to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing that I want to talk about today is we had a message come through to the free game podcast Instagram. A um, few people, messages come yeah, through. Yeah, a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, people are asking about beat breaks and how you guys can submit for beat breaks. So if you join any Patreon tier, yep. we'll send you the information on where to submit beats and then we could consider you for a beat break on our show yeah but you have to be a patreon you have, have to, to be a patreon if then. not you no. ain't get no play on <laughs> the shout free out. game podcast <laughs> yeah shout out to the mcbride sisters <laughs> yeah shout out to the mcbride sisters with the wine you know what i'm saying we got oh, yeah, some, yeah. Some, some wine here tonight shout yeah. out to them absolutely you know what i'm saying they're listening our show notes too for y'all you know they want yeah. to rock out. with them you know what there i'm saying is. um but speaking of beat breaks, we got a, a dope beat break coming up. Then we got Andy Cohen from Fader Magazine. There it is. There you Free go. game.
Welcome back to the Free Game Producer Podcast. We have a very, very special guest uh, in the building. It's always good to have people in the actual studio with us because it's a little more intimate, but this is a very, very special guest. I came to Will like five years ago as an intern, and from the very moment I got here, Fader Mag- the Fader Magazine has been like a staple in any Willpower studio, whether it's like from the restroom to the waiting room right. to the A room. <laughs> you see this magazine everywhere, and over the years, I've became acquainted with it. Um, to me, it's like the standard for like, you know, uh, urban, you know, uh, even like pop, rock, just just the uh, the pulse of what's going on in pop culture. So right. we're blessed to have uh, Andy Cohn, the uh, president of the Fader Magazine with us. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's good, good to be back down in the ATL. Come on, with, man. Uh, we love it. Fam. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for having me. This place is great. Yeah. It's so it's like to be here. We have a lot of listeners that, that want to get into like the music industry, whether it's from the artist standpoint and the production standpoint or uh, producer executive standpoint. So we always like to start at the beginning with our guests, like where they came from to kind of like maybe inspire someone who may have started where you started, you know, to get where you are. So where are you from originally? I'm from Long Island originally. Nice. I grew up on the South Shore of Long Island. Um, and I went to uh, college in Indiana. And uh, when I went to college in Indiana, that's when I really kind of fell in love with with music and journalism. And I I went to the journalism school there and I spent most of my college years writing about, you know, at the time doing CD reviews and concert reviews, you know, writing about live shows on campus um, and just things around culture in general. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of that um, in, in school. And then when I realized I couldn't rap or play any instruments, I figured that would be a way to get close, you know, to music industry. And and it's something I always talk about with young people when they're coming up, you know, is like, you know, the, the dreams of being in the NBA or being in a rapper, like those are like, you know, so few and far between. And like, there are so many other great jobs. I mean, look, at everyone in this room, right. you know, like right. they're not like I, some of us have some musical skills, but, you know, I think it's it's about the passion for music. So when I decided about my future or thinking about where I was going to go, I came back to New York after I graduated college and um, got a job at Spin Magazine, which at the time was, um, you know, really relevant, but more in like the kind of like grunge and like indie rock era that was really starting um they covered a little bit of of hip-hop and r&b but very little and then i was there for a few years and then i went to the source which was you know the kind of bible of of Mm -hmm. hip-hop music um that started in 1988 so i went there for a couple of years um and i worked mainly in the marketing and sales team so i was basically doing um ad sales for the print magazine and for the source awards and all the sources extensions uh, to all the big brands in in the country, like the Fords and the Coca-Colas and the, um, you know, Levi's and all the, all those brands. So um, it was at a time when hip hop really crossed over into mainstream marketing and real big companies started to embrace it. Sprite was, you know, really one of the first brands to do that. Um, And when that started happening, you know, it really opened the whole kind of business world up around hip hop and marketing to, you know, so I left there to go to Fader when I saw Fader start out because I felt that 
Fader had a really pure intention of just covering what's good and next in music. And it didn't really matter. It was genre agnostic. It didn't really matter if it was rap, hip hop, sorry, R&B, rock, indie rock, DJ music country, whatever it was, if it was new and innovative and pushing music forward, you know, I really respected that they kind of stepped out for artists and put artists on the cover of their magazine Mm -hmm. that would never have gotten a cover anywhere else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the other magazines that I worked at, and again, I'm using the word magazine because at the time that's really all that this, this media landscape was, Mm -hmm. it was dominated by spin and vibe and rolling stone and the source, you know, and double XL, um, before a kind of new wave of like digital properties came through. And I think Fader was able to, you know, make it through that changeover um, pretty, pretty well because we were never too reliant on print. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of put a lot of people, you know, out of business or really hurt a lot of the, uh, the, the kind of competitors at the time. But Fader, you know, really just came and at a time where it represented what kids had access to. It was mm-hmm. like Napster and all that stuff was starting out. And kids were growing up not listening to just hip-hop or just rock anymore. They yeah. were really listening to everything. So that's my kind of backstory and how I ended up, you know, at Fader was really through the marketing and business side, even though my first passion was to write, you know, about artists and get to know more about artists. But that kind of passion transitioned into more of a business focus. Yeah, from what I understand, Fader was kind of like, in my mind, the first magazine to kind of like officially like bridge the gap between like rock and hip-hop. And I think uh, either it was the first or one of the first magazines to do the double, the double cover, right. yep. the, yeah. the, the two-sided cover. So, what role would you say the fader played in, like, really? Because now it's kind of like you can have a kid from Iowa who can love Lil Uzi Vert just as much as he loves whatever rock, and he, and they might be on the same on the concert. Yeah, on the, yeah exactly. So, and I think the fader. Uh, you think the fader kind of maybe like started that? You know, played a big role in, in making that happen. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that access to music and digital like digital access to music through any sort of streaming downloading the way that music became so available for everyone in that kind of late 90s you know early 2000 period i think that's really what would be primarily responsible i think what fader did was help bring some context to that and help be one place where a lot of that culture mm-hmm. kind of converged and lived because you have things like today like when you think about Spotify or YouTube they're big vast pipelines with tons of, of content in there it kind of takes someone you know to go in there and make some sense out of it and and curate it and I think that's the role that Fader played and I think it was easy for us at the time because we our focus um, in covering different genres was right around the time when all that music was becoming so accessible. Mm-hmm. Like for me growing up, I would have to go into a record store and like those guys were dicks, like, and they were like not like approachable. And there was other than MTV, which did play music at the time, and you know, radio, which was all just, you know, still the same top, you know, pop music. Mm-hmm. Really didn't have a lot of access to, to if you're, you had a friend talking about dance hall. You were just like, what the hell is he talking about? Like now you can go on the computer and find out, listen to dance hall in less than a Google second. Yeah, well, for me, I think, you know, with Fader, um, I look to Fader to find out absolutely what's next. Like you guys are like brilliantly, you, you guys brilliantly capture 
it right before it happens. And it seems like everybody that's been on the cover, because you guys, the way you do the covers is amazing to me, but the, everybody that hits the cover within six to eight months, it's like all of a sudden everybody knows these people. Is that like a strategy of yours or do you guys just have like brilliant research people or like how do you guys end up knowing what it is before it is yeah it's actually it's a great question because now you have like you know all these algorithms that find things early on and like there's all this data now that people Mm -hmm. are looking at to you know when when brands are looking to pick artists for their campaigns like they're looking at that sort of you know data and trying to prognosticate things but like again I think that without the human element, like you can only get so far That's right. when it comes to art, you know, mm-hmm. and like music and culture, you know, it needs humans. It needs people getting in a room together. It needs people collaborating and being open-minded. Like, so I do think that, you know, Fader played, you know, a, a good role in that, but I don't think we have any real special kind of system or way of, of finding what's next. I think it's really that, we have always tried to have a very young, enthusiastic, diverse editorial staff mm. that are each tapped into their own networks of people that they trust, you know. So when you pull all that together, you know, what gets synthesized is usually, you know, every like month or so, like two or three or four or eight like artists that are really just kind of like skimming to the top. And right. then we usually pick two or four. And, you know, if we do four covers sometimes... Or, or we just do two, um, you know, and there's really no science to it. And it's getting harder because of the internet like right. and speed, you know, like it's not, it's not that easy for us to step as far out in front because now we're, we're competing with the new cycle of social media. Which like I, I think that's dope. I think essentially it's like you guys have a really dope A&R staff for your publication. Like I would be interested to see how those guys work, it, you know, like, because I know you guys kind of you guys have a label yep. now, right? As well. Yep. Um, are the are do you guys use your editors to help you yeah. research new artists as well? Like, yeah, definitely. I just think that's amazing because I, I literally and I, I would I, you probably have these stats, but I'm several of these people that have hit this cover went on to be like. I mean, yeah. The the, w- the one thing that I I love bragging about because yeah. and the reason why I'm okay to brag about it is that. It sounds great now, but at the time, like these people are nobody. They weren't, you know, right. like Ken- like Kendrick had his hoodie on in my office, sat <clears> in the corner of the couch while Dave and I talked. Kendrick, I think, fell asleep because he was in the studio all night before, and we ended up putting him on the cover six months later, back in two thousand whatever it was, yeah. you know. And like it's one story, like Drake, same thing, came up there. I, I actually remember when drake was in the corner office and someone invited me in i just i didn't have time to to go in there right. that was like in 2008 <laughs> you know because i heard one song of his and i was like yeah i don't know right yeah. so i think yeah i mean you know from frank ocean to drake to the white stripes and you know um artists like you know the the strokes and like the black keys like all these artists from different genres they're they're all people that we've given first covers to. yeah that's crazy you got probably the coolest job man like i you know we're all in the business so for me i'm sure well i know for myself i'm one of those guys i have people that i brag about that i know and i'm sure everybody kind of does 
You're certainly one of those people for me because oh, of definitely. that. Because you of, gotta set I, your sights. I'm you telling you, set sights a little higher. Man. Yeah, but no. Know. But the thing is, you know, well, I mean, I know you personally, so it's kind of like that part of you is super cool. But then there's the business side of it and what you represent, and that's super cool too. And so it's just like that's what makes it. That's what makes it dope to me. It's like you have a really cool job and you're like really good at it. It's like. This doesn't exist in very many places, you no, know. I and appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, we're out here. It just it sucks out here yeah. right now, man. For you know, for a lot of a no, lot of things I, in entertainment, it definitely does. <clears throat> and I and I, if I, first of all, thank you. It means a lot. Love you too. Like as a as a person, as a person, and as a as an artist, and as a producer, and and all the great things that you've always done. But I think it takes people like us that you know are focused on really like you know the pipeline of the future and mm -hmm. investing in younger people right you know and teaching and and being available you know to people um one of the reasons why i came down here you know this was a great like you know thing to to be able to do something like this as well but doing the a3c panel right you know i really like don't have the time to come and do these things right. but i make the time you know like yeah. i'm a single parent raising two kids right. on my own you know right. like um so yeah i mean that that that's the stuff that means everything to me is more about like it's never been about the money you know like i could have made a lot more money not working at the fader over the years and you know um i think for me it's always been about the passion and really like seeing these young artists in their nascent phases and seeing being even one percent of a role in in those careers you know and, and getting to know like a lot of these artists when they're kids mm -hmm. and seeing how they mature and some seeing how they don't you know yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we have a really special thing and I'm really proud that we've, we've been dedicated to that side of the business because things have been hard at a lot of points over the past bunch of years from a business standpoint. And we could have easily started putting Beyonce and yeah. Jay on every cover, yeah. you know? um, but we've really stuck to the mission of, you know, really supporting people before they become big and helping them become big and not just by putting them on the cover, but getting them at our events and on podcasts right. and on, you know, video and having them come through the office, you know, um, when they're in New York and like doing little things, big things, you know, and try to really keep that universe that Fader has cultivated um, and curated and really like ride with those artists, you know, as they all grow. And, and that's been the most fun thing to see. Yeah. I, you know, I got, I came around pretty well. I don't know exactly when Fader started, but I feel like I came around earlier than what it is now. Oh yeah, that's crazy. So I didn't know it was around that long. So that's dope. But what I have noticed is um just in the time that I've known you, which is now about maybe ten years, um, they the brand has grown like it's like I like South by Southwest, you guys pretty much own that. As far as like when people talk about it, everybody talks about the fader for it. Like I can remember you just running around and just like making that happen when when you guys you know started it and then now it's a brand um i've watched the label form that's a brand now you know uh the truth is y'all's internet brand is like almost as big as the magazine it's as the magazine itself maybe even bigger now because yep. people really turn to that you know to get the information can you talk about that growth and how that ended up becoming what it is because i'm pretty sure you were at the helm of that yeah, so, yeah yeah no i think you know when you think about 
investing a business in and around artists who are not popular yet, right? You have to think about other ways, you know, to grow the business because mm-hmm. it's, you know, from a media standpoint, the easiest way to grow audience, whether it's print, social, digital, is by racing to the bottom and, and doing things like buying traffic, writing top 10 lists of everything, like just doing all these kind of, you know, low quality, low like journalism, you know, the kind of regurgitated things that just are to drive traffic or to get people to buy the magazine. If you notice, we never put cover lines on the magazine that take artists, what they say and try to make it more mm-hmm. interesting. Like, right. you know, we just 21 Savage. There's the name. There's the name. Right. You know, we want people, we want to present Fader as a brand that you trust and you know that whatever Fader is doing. So to your question, like whether it's a label, whether it's our events, you know, we've, we had to really branch Fader out or else we wouldn't have survived, especially in 2008 and 2009 when, you know, advertising collapsed, the economy collapsed, print advertising, you know, was pretty much, it, it was the nail in the coffin and with a perfect storm of bad economy and the digital growth of a shift to advertising. So, you know, we had to do a lot of that stuff out of survival, pure survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also did things, we also didn't do certain things that we could have done to grow the business with like licensing our brand out. Like we just stuck with it, you know, and we, we got through a bad time, but we did it by changing Fader into more of a holistic brand and really investing in digital and online presence and yeah. social presence and right. event you know, event presence. And those are the things that really helped like lift us up and like extend us into different, you know, spaces. And we've tried different things that haven't worked too. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, of being an independent company, you know, is that you, you go with your gut a lot, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always like everything is planned out perfectly from a business standpoint. Sometimes right. you just have to go with it. And, you know, we, we sometimes are wrong, you know, like, and we take full responsibility for that. And, you know, like we've we've missed on some covers over the years, but yeah, you know, we've done uh, 115 issues. That's over like 230, 40 covers. You know, and our our batting average is pretty good when you yeah. look back through it. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you look at the back issues of Fader, it looks like we were a mainstream music magazine because it's like Outkast and Eminem and Big Boy, and Killer Mike. Like it's all the artists that everybody knows now. And I think when we hit like the 15 kind of 16 17 year mark of fader there was this point where it kind of hit like a maturation process that a lot of these artists that were so underground are now all like like the frank oceans of the world yeah huge so for us like it's really important that the print magazine like continue to serve the emerging side but now we have all these other extensions as art as artists as the artists grow and become artists that in the old days when we were just the print magazine, we wouldn't have continued covering them because they already passed through Fader. Right. Now we have so many other things to do, like, and or just have an office where former cover stars want to just come and hang out. Right. And talk. Nah, that's my really staff dope. all day. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I got one last question, then I'll okay. let you get no, back to listen. doing it. So I want to speak to, to, to the photography of Fader. It's always really vintagey vibey it's i don't even know how to explain it but like do you have a like a staff of photographers like how does that work because 
it's always been interesting. Like my my personal experience was when you guys shot Yellow Wolf. I just thought it was really dope that the shots you guys got with him were so organic. It was not really a staged opportunity. You know how? Yeah, I think I, I think I read something about I think Funkmaster Flex was the first one I yeah. believe, and I think Jonathan Millionaires. Yeah. And I think you all were were moving, walking somewhere, and y'all just stopped it in front of yeah, the building. It's, or yeah, like it's that, almost and yeah. just took his pictures, just kind of right there. That right. was like the fake first issue of Fate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Flex, we, you know, we, I would say that if he was here, right? <laughs> yeah. So, could, yeah, could you speak to that? Like, is yeah. that is it intentional? Yeah, is that no, kind of like a, it's, it's a branding thing as well? Yeah, it's totally intentional. I think that um, one of the things that. My, my my media north star like the the brand in media that i've always held us up to you know is national geographic because mm. because national geographic i see that I now that vibe, man. i get that Come vibe on, yeah. Man. That's amazing. That. yeah so so <laughs> national geographic is on on two levels right one the, is obviously the, the the photography is world class beyond anything you know anyone can do the the other thing that they've done so well which we've used as a model is expanded their brand like they have a magazine they have museums they have like television network they do documentary film i mean they're you know they have society for the environment like all the things that they do like it's it's just amazing and the thing that we've always wanted to do is treat artists right like in their in their own natural environments like we never want to have artists being styled and like shot and you know put with like props and like really like make something into something over the top and that some magazines that's their style and like right. that's what they do we want to we want to portray people like in in natural light in their normal kind of like in a normal setting almost and and let that whoever they are kind of be what is like the focus of it like not to like dress up these shots so whether it's inside the magazine or outside like and i i use this as an example i think he's, he's a local boy but uh when we we did a feature story on on uh, bubba sparks and the fr- the first image in the feature story is is him pushing the uh garbage can down his driveway hmm. you know just like any of us could be doing like after yeah. work or before whatever so i think that's the, the the focus of the photography has always been like in the studio, like or backstage at a show or with their friends walking down the street, you know. So I think that's been the style is is to not like overproduce photo shoots. Man. And I think what well, we we don't have people on staff, but we tap into like we find emerging photographers all around the world. One yeah. of the things that we try to do is we try to the same way we try to find emerging talent. You know, from the artist side, we also try to do the same thing with writers, you know, editors, photographers, videographers. So we're always looking for, you know, new talent and um, trying to, you know, find people with a fresh perspective yeah. and giving new people shots, you know, at, at photo shoots for covers. It's really dope. Yeah. I think uh, for our listeners, it, next time you get a Fader magazine, like really pay attention to the detail of it. It really does. It's yeah, and it's, it's really nice sick, to still man. have a physical object, you right. know, in a, in a day that. and age where we're all on screens nonstop. You know, it's funny because our print, the sales of our print magazine over the past year have been like skyrocketing. That's good. Through man. subscriptions, <laughs> because I think kids now are the opposite 
of how at least I grew up, where it was everything physical and then brought me into the streaming and digital world. These kids, everything's digital yeah, and want, streaming. They want, they want else, some yeah. vinyl, uh, like yeah. a nice ma- like print magazine to put on a coffee table. Like right. they're artifacts now. Like and right. kids are, are becoming interested in going in the other direction. And right. they see these things as you know really interesting pieces. That's dope. That's dope, man. We are a producer podcast, so I, I wanted to kind of touch on like um, <clears throat> your thoughts and the faders position on like music producers these days. It seems like um, they're kind of. I want. I don't want to say emerging out of the shadows because you've always had like your Timberlands, your Swiss Beats, Kanye West, yeah. right? But it seems like producers are kind of like you know getting their own shine now. Yeah. And I noticed with the magazine, you've talked about some of the uh, artists being discovered while early. Are you all doing the same thing with producers? Like I was reading an article on uh, Drum Dummy and his whole crew. No clue who they were, and I've, I'm kind of ashamed because I'm a producer guy, and I have no idea who, who these guys are. But apparently, yeah. they're pretty dope, right? So, uh, what is the position on producers? Do you all uh, uh, cover a lot of producers like you do artists? And what do you feel is going the direction as far as music, music and producers? Yeah, I mean, we we cover. I would say we cover producers, you know, DJs the same way that we cover artists. You know, we're looking for, you know. Who like when we find a, a Twenty One Savage? Like we, we also want to know who's you know work who he's worked with. Like yeah. that's how I met Will was you know through Yellow Wolf and and um, I guess you know he had been working with Wiz. So it's like that's just as interesting to us is where that sound is coming from. Who are the people that are in the room collaborating? You know, um, where are these people? Are they in Atlanta? You know, mm-hmm. are they in you know Nashville? Are they in in Minnesota? Um, where are these different are there specific sounds now coming from specific mm-hmm. regions the way there was or has the internet homogenized things to the point now where you know you can't really tell where certain sounds are coming from right. you know so I think we do approach you know producers the same way we actually did uh, a full issue dedicated to producers with Flying Lotus was on the cover I think, oh, a couple yeah. of years ago mm-hmm. but yeah we have a column called Beat Construction that's the second longest running column in, in fader it's been uh running since the first issue of the magazine i don't actually know if we do it in print anymore but every week we have i think it's weekly we have a new beat construction um with featuring a new crew group guy girl whoever um you know i think it's harder now because you have guys like you know like it's been talked about like a ton but you have guys like trap money benny that like mm-hmm. nobody heard of or knew about and he, like he didn't even know that his record was going to be you know part of a drake song like mm-hmm. you know he didn't even know about himself right right exactly <laughs> that's, a, that's a common thing though. i love right. it though it's, which is great you know and i think it, it it's to me that's something that's inspiring for like future producers right mm-hmm. is like you know you don't have to be you know whoever to have a hit like you can you know get something somewhere into the right hands and get lucky or you know if you're good and you're lucky you know that's a good combination right for sure um things can come from anywhere now what about producers branding themselves i know on the podcast we try to encourage producers to not necessarily depend like wait on that placement quote unquote but to kind of brand yourself you know look for other opportunities so what would your i guess um advice be to up-and-coming producers who want to kind of like step out of the shadows or make a name for themselves hopefully hopefully and maybe get even get uh some uh, publicity in a magazine like fader yeah i think that they have to 
you know, network a little bit, it really just get out of the studio. You know, sometimes I think that's where, you know, I know you guys like thrive and where you live and where you get paid. And, and that's obviously where you're going to spend most of your time. But, you know, I think it is like coming out of the studio and maybe going on a, a publicity tour with the artist or, you know, um, just getting in the mix more and and being a little bit more like seen out in the public right? because i think even you know it's interesting when you see like some of these producers who have gotten a little bit more like that's really how it's kind of happened when you think about it you know like guys like metro like they're they're out there they're also djing you know right. a lot of events mm -hmm. right you know so they they're getting booked as talent so like it's finding those opportunities to get your face and name in front of someone, even right. if it's not for being a producer per se, but like if we were at an event tonight and, you know, Will was, was, you know, the DJ, like, and people were into it and they, you know, it's a way for people to find out about Will and his studio and what he does. So I think it's, I think there's a, a tendency for producers to just be in their lab and like, and I get that, right. you know, but I think that would be my advice is, even if it's not your comfort zone and you're not the most social like person, like push yourself out like a little bit more Do go to some of these networking events, like, you know, go to like a conference, like a three C try to get on a panel, you know, for those types of things. And, you know, just kind of, you have to market yourself like and hustle for yourself a little bit, you know, and if, and if it's not your personality, which, you know, I think a lot of producers, it's just not, or else mm -hmm. they wouldn't probably be producers. They might be out in front and right, right. whatever. But I think it's it's something that, you know, they they need to do more of if they're going to really brand themselves and develop, you know, a, a bigger presence. Yep. Definitely. That's free game. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> what about, uh, you know, your content creators? Because, again, we talk about, you know, you don't have to be an artist to, to make it in music. You know, um, you you mentioned that. Yeah, that's amazing, too, because we, we actually have gone into full on rants about the music business and all of the different ways that you could get involved. Like, you know, you might like you said, you might want to cut. You start out wanting to be a rapper, but you find out like you're probably better at something else and you could still be a part of what you love. So uh, we talk to that all the time. Um, so content creation is becoming like a really huge thing. Huge thing. Um, I mean, some of us were creating content before we realized that's what it was, you know, but now it's a real thing. Um, where do you think that fits in for producers right now and or just really artists and producers in general? Yeah, I think for producers and content, it's tricky because, you know, so much of the kind of secret sauce is the stuff that you probably wouldn't want out people there. to know right yeah. you know um i think there's ways of obviously giving people like a peek behind the scenes and into the studio mm -hmm. you know um and do it in a way that you're not like either giving away or leaking you know music so i think that it's a little bit tricky because the main thing that like as as a journalist or a media company that you know we would want is really that look inside you know and there's ways it's been done and, and you know you could do that um but i think there's there's other like what you're doing with this podcast mm. i think is is great because you're giving something back you're making content but you're making it it doesn't have to be 
you know, we don't all have to speak perfectly and like, right. it doesn't have to be super high production value. You know, it's really the, the actual content right. and what comes across and these things like that to me is the most important thing and making quality. Like, don't just make stuff to make it. You know, I think that's a big mistake people make is like they think they have to make content. So they're just like making shit and just constantly making right instead of like thinking things through and like thinking from a bigger picture level and you know um and being more strategic about it well that's dope thank you man well yeah um what's next like what's what's next for fader what can can we look forward to from i know uh i've been me out my bucket list is to get to uh one of the fader force you know where there's yeah whether it's the one in, in New York City or the one yeah. at South by Southwest, but uh, any more like I know you got the labels popping now, so you know what's next for Fader? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think th- things change so fast these days. You know, it's kind of hard to really predict anything anymore. You know, more than a couple months ahead. But I think for us, a big a big thing for us is really the experiences. You know, and and events, things like the Fader Fort, both in expanding the fort. But also in developing, you know, other platforms from a live experience standpoint. Mm-hmm. I still think, you know, that doing doing events and making them very creative and smart, not events like for Instagram, you know, and not events for the industry to just stand around, you know, but make things happen that are unique experiences for people. It doesn't have to be for 10,000 people, but right. like some of the best experiences we've all had, I don't even have to ask you guys in the room or when we've been in an intimate setting right. with an artist, you know, like Absolutely. either early on or a big artist in a small setting. Like, so I think for us, when, when you're talking about upcoming and emerging artists, it's not good enough to just put them on the cover of the magazine and then write about them and just maybe embed some links, you know, to Spotify, bringing them out live and like having, you know, an artist like, you know, 21 Savage, like performing in front of a small group of people at a Fader issue release event. Like, um, even though he just stood there and stared at the crowd, he didn't never rap, but that's beside, that's a different story for a different day. But, you know, having those experiences are the things that you remember. Like, right. and, and I think in a day where everything's getting so lost in the shuffle of social media and, you know, the, the short attention span, like, you know, the things that I think about over the past couple of years that stood out, they all have to do with things that actually happen like in life. You right. know? And I think that's what we want to take like a leadership role into and also like, you know, helping like just kids realize that there are still things like print magazines to read and that, you know, going to festivals and supporting like live and local music, that those are fun things to do, you know, and, and they're fun experiences to have with your friends and they're things that are important you right. know, in life. One more thing too, because I was kind of wrapping up, but uh, I, I have to bring up, we have a producer podcast you just have arguably one of the best producers of our generation up in your office, yeah. you know, uh, that was crazy Kanye looking. West, you know, nice. one of the greats, like, what was that experience like? And, you know, uh, how is the music sounding from what you can, you know, maybe can talk about or not, but it's like, what, what was that like? Yeah, no, Kanye is, uh, you know, obviously a lightning rod, um, for the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also, you know, like it or, or, or not, you know, one of the most creative, you know, people out there today and for a while, you know, we, we gave him his first cover in 2003 and, you know, we've had a, a long kind of running relationship. Wow. With I didn't him. know that. That ties yeah. it all together though. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the Kanye has always been again, 
whether you agree or disagree with everything that he says and does, he's always been a very kind of prototypical core fader artist because of things that not only he's done artistically, but things that he's also talked about in the past. Like mm. he even did an interview once where he talked about um, how he was a fader kid growing up, that he was, you know, a black kid. But he liked a lot of rock music mm. and he wore his backpack and he hung out with different types of people and didn't fit in what he was supposed to be, you know. And I think for Fader, like diversity is like the thing that I'm most proud of, of, of anything over the years is putting, you know, artists on the cover who are gay, straight, like, you know, men, women, whatever, like black, white, it, it, it doesn't, it's never mattered to us it's always been about like what's inside the person and what they're doing artistically you know so i think that diversity is really important and kanye really did for a very long time you know he, he, he stood for that so he came up to the office last week um for a meeting but ended up you know liking the energy in the office and wanting to share some of the new music with the staff and um, you know, he was there for a really long time, uh, and he opened uh, himself up to a lot of different questions from the team. And he was very, um, he was very aware of everything that's going on. He was also wearing some very controversial stuff, <laughs> uh, you know, that everybody saw him right. wearing. And, yeah. and you know, um, you can Google that, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> and and he was, you know, and he was he was playing some stuff, and it sounded. The, the music sounded really great. You know, it sounded really, really good. Um, but it was an interesting, you know, conversation. And, you know, he's got lots of things to say for, for better or worse. And yeah. uh, he's um, he's an interesting guy. Let's, let's leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I had to bring it up, though, because Kanye See? West, man. So, yeah, cool. well, it's been a blessing. Uh, yeah, Will. Man. Dude, thank you for coming on here, man. No, this is you, uh, amazing. Um, you know, we're, we're a a small podcast so it's not like we're reaching millions of people but the yeah. people who do get to hear this really do good they get jewels out of it man it's and awesome, to dude. have you on the show means a lot to us and i just appreciate you taking your time out you know because i know if you're here for a3c it's busy it's, it's probably pretty busy right now no so. i appreciate it and this is definitely a priority for me to come here so i'm happy to do it i'll come back you know if i ever get invited back, yeah you know? no doubt man um but yeah this is great and and really like you know if you have people that are listening to the show and like you know they're interested in, in talking or learning you know they can reach out to me i'm, I'm just a n d y at the fader.com you know, they, yeah. they tell me in that, the show notes too. Yeah, if they if you guys you know reach out and you have questions, if there's something I can do, you know, to help or answer something like, and, and you're listening to this right now, like I'm happy to do it. Just reference the podcast. Sweet, that's dope. Thank you, that's man. A big deal. All right, that's it. All right, free game. Thank you, guys. <laughs>